How about you? What are you going to do with your shirt? What was he saying? He said the Wookiees were enslaved by the Empire, taken off Kashyyyk. He's searching for his, uh... I don't know if he said tribe or family. What's the difference? Show me how to do that. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode 303, The Mighty Chewbacca. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the R2-D2 and BB-8 to my C-3PO, we have Carl Leclerc and Katie Horn. BB-8, I call it. I call BB-8. Ugh, <laughs> uh, that's, you can have him. Ugh, oh, man. Ugh, <laughs> uh, all right, I guess I'll be R2. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I'd make you guys the plucky ones, and I'll be the fussy, stuffy one. So. Oh, I love it, yeah. <laughs> I'm the one just rolling yeah. along. <laughs> I'm the yeah. one, like, eagerly rolling towards Poe Dameron, like, move! Get out of the way! <laughs> oh! Well, you know, at Poe Hot Dameron, um, so oh, yeah. that's, oh, yeah. that's what we got here. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I am so excited to talk about Chewbacca. Yes! The mighty Chewbacca! <laughs> I want 50,000, no less! <laughs> <laughs> He's worth more. He's worth easily double that. Let's be real. I think we all know that. Um, yes. Well, yeah. So you know, if, if if we didn't already tease that hard enough for you, we're we're going to be talking all about Chewbacca in this particular episode through all of the films. And crazy to think, three hundred and three episodes, still no solitary episode on good old Chewbacca. We've done one where we did our top five Han and Chewie moments which we're definitely going to have to do again in light of Solo. Um, uh, yes. But yeah. uh, we've never done something devoted to everybody's favorite Wookiee. Now, maybe I'm being presumptuous. Sagwa could take the cake or, or Lumpy. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Chewbacca. So, uh, but before we hop into talking about our beloved Wookiee, got to give, a, as always, a, a shout-out to our unofficial official Patreon supporter of this episode of The Wampus Lair. That goes out to Stephen Jones, who has recently joined the Patreon family. So, Stephen, thank you so much for your contribution to the show. Thank you, of course, for saving yet another down-and-out Wampa who wants nothing more than to go to McDonald's for a nice, tasty <laughs> Tauntaun burger with a side of Minoc fries. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want a Tauntaun burger and Minoc fries? But you got to top it off with a Dianoga shake. Ah, oh, that's so true. <laughs> Maybe with a side of blue milk. It's the blue boy. The blue milk boys. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, dear God. God. <laughs> it's the deep cut. Well, 
every moment, every time I think I've escaped the blue milk boys, <laughs> they come back. They rear their ugly heads <laughs> once again. <laughs> um, so my friends, we had a a matchup given to us at the end of our last episode from our from our good friend Philip Liebold. And where we pitted the the great Admiral Akbar against the bulldog Captain Kennedy. Did you, and, did you hear that? That was my heart exploding. That that's what that sound was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we we seem to as always have gotten quite a bit of response. So Jason, feel free to give us the truncated version if if you must. All right, I'll, I'll, I must. There was so many responses. Thank you, everyone, for for all of your comments and everything. We got some. I'm going to cherry pick a few responses here just to give an idea of what people were saying. Uh, Philip, who who gave us the topic or the the matchup, uh, voted for Captain Kennedy, saying Akbar couldn't repel Kennedy's fire of that magnitude. <laughs> um, of course, we got a. We got a lot of it's a traps with Admiral Akbar. Um, Jessica Baker, in fact, asked us if this was a trap question <laughs> instead of a yeah. trick question. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we, we got uh, some really amusing and funny responses. Thank you, everyone, on Facebook and Twitter for, for weighing in on this matchup. We appreciate it. Um, but our final Larian tally uh, comes out to 27 for Admiral Akbar. Nine for Captain Kennedy and uh, Carl. You got to vote for Admiral, I mean, Admiral Piet in there too. I know. So. I saw that. Which I was like, "Am I allowed to give him my vote too?" You're but. not. Um, <laughs> the Larians are, but you're not. You're not. <laughs> I veto that. <laughs> oh my god! I love that Piet got a vote though, because he is he is my boy. Um, you know, well, if that's the case, can I vote for Maul? If sure. We're just throwing out names. Yeah. Katie's like, from now on, Maul wins them all? Yeah, well, obviously, obviously. <laughs> right, right. Well, no, see, see, that's why we got to restrain ourselves, folks. We got to stay with the matchup. Because otherwise, we're just going to run all over the place. And we don't like... set that bad of an example for our, our listeners. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we, I feel like like no matter what our poll is, I always make like a little participation trophy for Maul, and I just slide it his way <laughs> <laughs> with a scratch and sniff sticker that smells like the ashes of Qui Gon. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it always cheers him right up. Cheers him, just cheers Even him right Sansu up. Even knows what that smells like. Yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> we learned that story. Um, okay, well, I, I'll I'll lead the charge for our responses, and you know. Um, I got to give it to I got to give it to Akbar as well. Um, uh, the only two Carl, yeah. you know, I will say this because we were we, the three of us were joking around last week after we finished recording about what kind of match we want to make this like. Do we want to be funny and like make it a fist fight or do we want it to be like a tactical battle? So I'm just going from the standpoint of a tactical battle. I definitely give it to Akbar considering the long years of experience, the experience of fighting when the chips are down, fighting with lesser odds. Um, Kennedy rolls up with a dreadnought and still gets taken out essentially by a little fighter. Um, but when it comes to a fist fight, Bulldog Kennedy wins it hands down. Like that fishy slap, like it'll it'll certainly sour his day. But he'd put the beat down on on Mister Akbar in a fist fight. <laughs> so in a fist fight, hands down, Kennedy just owns him. But in a tactical battle, I definitely give it to Akbar. 
So am I, am I just giving one vote to each in this case, or what am I doing? Yeah, I, I definitely pulled a Larian thing there, but you told me <laughs> okay. I can't do Piet, so I just I, I kind of did that instead. All right, we'll, we'll we'll do a vote for each then. We'll we'll. I mean, it doesn't those. it doesn't really matter. Even if all three of us vote Kennedy, he's still going to lose quite handedly. Uh, so. Not in my heart. Not not in my heart. So, Katie, tell us why you're voting for Admiral Akbar then. No. <laughs> 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 I just like rip open my shirt and there's another shirt with Kennedy's face on it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am voting hard for Captain Kennedy. Uh, I mean, he's just so powerful in such a short amount of time. Like we saw him, he got what, three minutes of screen time and everyone knows his name. Such power. <laughs> <laughs> Can't repel power of this magnitude. And I feel like, race. yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I when I imagine this matchup, I immediately go to fisticuffs. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Captain Kennedy definitely did like gentleman's boxing oh, in the yeah. day, like in the Imperial Academy. Yeah, he's definitely got like you know golden boxing gloves that you know like little necklace <laughs> that he wears under his uniform. Oh my gosh! And then like you know, as soon as I look at him. When I look at that just majestic man, I see like one of those old timey, you know, strong men from the circus with oh, a leotard yeah. and a barbell and the yes. little curly chest hairs. Like, yeah, that's like you take off that uniform. That's exactly what's going on underneath. What? Remind <laughs> me of Kennedy's first name. Uh, I love him. Captain, I love him. Kennedy. Hold on. I, I don't I, remember. I, oh, no. I can't remember either, but I feel like it's something powerful. <laughs> um, hold on Captain oh so powerful Kennedy Moden what is it it is Moden Moden M-O-D-E-N uh, that's so powerful. powerful oh we'd be moaning we'd be moaning for Moden <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it uh, but can I, can I just Moden Kennedy as good as Captain Moden Kennedy is <laughs> nothing beats Admiral Firmus Piet Sam <laughs> That dude is firm. <laughs> firm. You can us. you say that in the boxing ring. I mean, you, <laughs> we'll take that fight into uh, the ring. <laughs> Piet versus Kennedy in a boxing match. That's straight up Rocky Four. Yeah, and I think we know who wins. <laughs> it's not going to be the big bulldog. <laughs> oh, where's our Star Wars story about that? That's oh, that's the Star God. Wars story we deserve. Is it just about Imperial Academy boxers? Like, I feel like right? I feel like the age the age range because Kennedy's probably in his like early sixties in Last Jedi, which is what twenty no thirty years after Return of the Jedi, essentially, uh-huh. where Piet is like forty. So I feel like I bet you. I bet you good old Odin looked up to Firmus back in his academy days. I bet you as he was boxing, he when like he was before he went out to the ring, he'd in his locker he'd have a little portrait of Firmus Piet. Be like, I, this one's for you, um, and then like just he like, go he out. He like well, kisses his fingers yeah. and presses it to the, to the Although, poster. They're, they're, they're like, definitely definitely in two different weight classes. Let's be honest. That's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. He's like punching the punching bag and looking at a poster of Piet for inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Welcome to the Wampus Lair. Yes. <laughs> I, I still need to give my my vote here. Um I'm for the sheer hell of it, I'm going with Captain Moden Kennedy. Yeah. I, I love Akbar. Everyone knows my my love for the Mon Calamari Admiral. But <laughs> I, 
this time around, I got to give it to Kennedy. Mm. And I got to say, if Kennedy was actually in charge of his fleet, in charge of his dreadnought, I think things would have turned out quite a bit differently um, in that opening battle because he was not he, he had to run everything up the chain of command. He was mm-hmm. not in, you know, allowed to do what he wanted to do or needed to do because, you know, that's why he was saying that they should have launched their fighters five bloody minutes ago. You know, <laughs> yeah, Kennedy's uh, great. And the thing I love about Kennedy, though, to be fair, at the end of the day, is again, this is—he's just like another one of those beloved Star Wars characters who has what three seconds, you know, three minutes of screen time, right? Think yeah, about even yeah. Akbar. You know, you know, people like—I I understand some people's like you know disdain for the way Akbar's taken out in Last Jedi, but if you think about it, Akbar's really only got probably three minutes of screen time himself in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a mm-hmm. big character, but. We just love him, right? Like we we just gravitate to these fun side characters, like me with Malakili. You know, like yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> he's on screen for probably twenty seconds, if that. And I just <laughs> nothing I want more than to rub that belly. You know, so. <laughs> I bet it's good luck if you rub oh, that belly. <laughs> such good luck, you know. And that's the Rancor probably rubbed it every morning, just forgot to that day, that fateful oh, day. No. You know, oh, overslept. He didn't rub the belly, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I'm a fan of Captain Kennedy. Everyone who's listened to the show knows I'm a fan of Captain Kennedy. Um, he obviously is displeased with the way things are run in the First Order because they are not as efficient or as well run as the Empire. Right. <laughs> For real. You know, um, and he definitely doesn't like taking orders from Hux because uh, he thinks Hux is a twat. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's, there's a great scene in the Last Jedi novel and I can't remember if it's Kennedy or do you guys remember the name of the officer that is, you know, kind of like right hand to Hux in Last Jedi? Oh, I can't remember his yeah. name. Yeah. Ah, I can't remember it. Oh, this is terrible podcasting. That's <laughs> all right. Jason's looking it up for us. But while he's, so while he's doing that, I do think it's his perspective in the Last Jedi novel, but he essentially yeah. has that mentality Jason was just saying, which I'm sure Kennedy was as well, but he, he, there's like not a ton, but there's a little bit of development like that. He grew up in the empire, right? He was trained mm-hmm. in the Academy and he looks at a guy like Hux is kind of just like this impetuous child and yeah. kind of has a resentment that Hux is his superior officer. I mean, right. He, basically we yeah. know now from the Chuck Wendig trilogy that Hux's father is responsible for creating the, uh, you know, the army of the first order. So Hux obviously gets a shoe in, but his yeah. right hand there, whose name is what Jason his uh, right hand's name is Captain Edrison Peavy. Oh, I knew that. So close ah, to Piet. I say that. I knew ah. it. <laughs> he, he is the Piet of the new trilogy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need more Peavy than Peavy, a Star Wars story. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Where is Ray Sloan? I would give anything uh, to Ray see Ray Sloan, a Star Wars story. with you, yes. sir. <laughs> uh, I'm tooling with you. What about – what if, what if Ray Sloan – uh-huh. Is the daughter of Piet. Oh! oh. What? You I'm just freaked sure. my mind, Carl. I'm mind freaked. Oh, how good I'm pretty that sure that age doesn't track. I don't uh, care. Let me have my dreams, Jason. Yeah. Come on, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you can't begrudge Anywhere. me my dreams. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we should, Any- we should probably... Uh, the, the final vote yes. tally at the end of it all here is uh, twenty-eight to ten, um, with one vote for Piet. So Piet wins. Uh, Admiral Akbar wins. Oh damn it! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, oh gosh, I love it. I love it. Um, so obviously, 
good good and faithful folks uh stick around for the end because we have a fun match or not matchup but poll for next episode and also just as a reminder in case you're curious about the longer runtime of the next upcoming several episodes again we're running the radio dramas so at the end of this episode we'll have episode three of the new hope radio drama black knight white princess and pawns <laughs> what yes. if it was and this and, and this is episode three and we finally get into the um events of a yes. new hope oh those so. first two episodes oh they're oh, so right? good agree so good. oh my gosh see like that that last one the second one from last week's episode with leia <laughs> see oh. yeah with leia see now like yeah. i thought rogue one was pretty cool nobody told me that the original story of getting the death star plans was just leia catfishing some imperial yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> And to get the the Death Star plans from him, <laughs> that was amazing. That was yep, pretty much. Pretty when much. That, that scene in that episode two where Leia says to to Bale, like you know, where she's going to leave, she's going to take the Tanif for, and mm-hmm. she says, "I promise, I'll make you you proud, father." And he goes, "Oh, my daughter, you already have, you already have." I always get teary eyed at that. Yeah, so good, and like the. Oh, Jason and I have been saying this for years, and I will stand by this statement till the day I die. They should make prequel trilogy radio dramas. Yes. Get Matt Lanter, Ooh. get Kat Tabor, get James Arnold Taylor. Um, we should start a Kickstarter, Kickstarter campaign for that. <laughs> right? That would, oh, my god! Like we could this probably get that, that to go actually... viral. Um, yes. Because, like, that oh. really needs – you know, like, there's plenty of qualified voice actors, but, like, who better than those folks? Mm-hmm. That would be so right. good. You know, get Ashley Eckstein involved, you know, some way, yeah. somehow. Like, that'd be, oh, my God. That, oh, they could have, like, a flashback mm. scene with Ahsoka. Oh, my God. Um, ah, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Sorry. I'm going to stop. <laughs> We're all fine here. We, we right. have an episode topic for this show. Um, we talked about it quite a bit at the beginning, but we kind of forgot where we were. Um, we're talking all about... The mighty Chewbacca. This episode, um, we do a character exploration of Chewie, because I mean, let's face it, our favorite walking carpet needs the love. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we're just going to kind of look at his his story chronologically as it appears in the films, um, barring you know the holiday special because that's not technically a film. Um, but I, you know, how about the fact that you know we first get Chewie again chronologically. In Revenge of the Sith, right? He is mm. kind of the right hand to Chief slash General Tarful. And, you know, what this... Techni- re- technically, he shows up in a couple episodes of The Clone Wars first. Oh, that's true. That's right. Yeah, with Ahsoka. Yes, when yes. Ahsoka and uh, gets kidnapped by the Trandoshan slavers yes. and is forced to... Uh, survive in the jungles with a group of Jedi Padawans, she finds uh, Chewbacca. That's right. Thanks for that reminder. You're absolutely yeah, right. See, the season finale of episode... Season two. Or season, season three. No, it's season three. It's, season it's, the, okay. it's like two or three episodes. I forget if it's two or three episodes, but there's there's some fun stuff in there. And and the Wookiees come in to help save them at the end, and you realize that while Chewie's you know, been the biggest character on screen um, so far, he's kind of the runt of the Wookiee family. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, so, tiny baby Chewie. He's he is kind of smaller than the rest of them, but um, but <laughs> no. Uh, Peter Mayhew came and helped the animators really get the the walk and the the look of the Chewbacca movement down. 
uh, for the show. Um, he visited Lucasfilm and, and worked with them to, to do all that. So cool. there was some stuff there. Yeah. But yeah, go check that out if you haven't yeah, before. Yeah, I've, I've been Katie, you're exci- you'll be excited to know that I'm up to the mall arc in season five <gasps> of Clone Wars. So I'll start That's that so tomorrow. Good. I know it is so good. Oh, my God. Tweet about it so I can tweet at you about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we go down that dark hole. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But you, Jason, I can't believe I forgot that. But you're right. He is in Clone Wars. But um, his appearance there in Revenge of the Sith, I think what that reveals to us about him the fact that I mean, Yoda knows him, right? Like he names yeah. him and Tarful when he leaves. Um, what I what I really like about again, just chronologically speaking, our first experience of Chewbacca is that he is a warrior and in a position of prominence and honor in the time you know prior to the Empire. You know, so Chewie comes from this place of prestige among the Wookiee people. So I just think that's a really, you know, really powerful starting point for his character. Yeah, he's he is, um, you know, up there. He he has. Uh, what's the, how do I how do I want to put that? He is near the important moments um, in history. You know, he that didn't start when Han and Chewie, you know, joined the rebellion. Chewie's always been close to important events. Um, and in places of prominence, you know, uh, so when we see him in the Clone Wars, he's like, you know, or the end of the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, he's helping Tarful lead the defense against the Separatists attacking Kashyyyk. And he's right up there in the war room with Tarful and Yoda. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome, you know, to, to think that that our fuzzy friend uh is is that influential yeah in wookie in the wookie warrior cast so yeah. um what do you think katie have any thoughts on this i just it's so uh interesting to think about how he goes from kashik to that cantina on Mos Eisley, mm. you know, right. it, it definitely, you know, it raises, you know, and the great way that Star Wars does, you look at these things and then you think, what's the story there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I luckily mean, they gave yeah. us one. It's called Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think if you are a kid, you know, watching these you, chronologically, somehow somebody's like, okay, you're going to watch the prequels and then you're going to watch Solo and then you're going to watch Rogue One. <laughs> I think if somehow that's your Star Wars experience, then yeah, seeing that you know the Wookiees are awesome and they're warriors and you know they're fighting back the the empire, well the droids, you know that that's all really cool. And then the next time you see Chewbacca, he's in a pit, you yeah. know, and and you're and you're like, whoa, what happened? Like that's how bad news the Empire is that they took these you know majestic, awesome, cool warriors and now. Chewie's in a pit covered in mud. It's it's so sad. It breaks your heart. Yeah, and, and it makes you wonder who owns him mm. at this point because you know he was a prominent Wookiee. You know yeah. somebody's got him. You know he's chained up, and somebody had to have captured him at some point. You know whether or not it was immediately following the Battle of Kashyyyk mm-hmm. or a couple of years later after being on the run. Somebody knew who he was, and that's why he's you know in chains still and not being forced into slave labor 
you know, building the Death Star or what have you. Um, you know, and they obviously don't think highly of him because they've got him in a pit, in a mud pit, <laughs> chained up to, you know, somebody Chewy. that they want him to beat up and eat. Yeah. Uh, on Mimban. Yeah. Where it's just rain and mud. There's nothing there. They've, they've tossed him aside by this point. He's, you know... Yeah lost his usefulness other than a sideshow to get rid of in you know insubordinate troopers yeah well look at it this way he went from being a wookie of mighty prominence in a proud culture to being an absolutely humiliated creature of entertainment he's referred to as the beast right he's lost any and like obviously i'm going to say humanity he's not human but personhood let's call it that he's lost all the the empire like all slavery is meant to do, which is disgusting about slavery. One of the first things they do in slavery is strip you of any sense of cultural identity. Well, mm. how do you do that for a mighty Wookiee warrior? You make him a creature of entertainment. You call him the beast. So okay. Chewie's you know, kind of primal experience in the rest of his story is one rooted in slavery, being a piece of property, being this humiliated beast – and I think it's really important because as we're going to look at as we continue his story, no wonder he has such a disdain for chains, right? Like mm-hmm. we're going to see that mm-hmm. later in this film. We're going to see it in A New Hope. And then we're going to see kind of a full circle of that in Return of the Jedi um, where mm-hmm. he comes to accept chains for the sake of those he loves um, in a guise, obviously. But right, like <laughs> the fact that Chewie, right, like he has such a – um, and I know, we're, well, whatever, we're not at this moment yet in Solo, but right when they're walking out on Kessel and he, you know, shakes him, don't worry, it's not going to be for long. Same thing with yeah. Luke, Luke trying to put those, you know, cufflinks on the him. binders on. Yeah. 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 Like he's not standing for it. And it makes sense. Again, if you go back to this and I, and I just I love that they gave us this story. You just see, even though it was always part of, you know, the old canon, the Legends canon that Chewie was a slave. Um in some ways, like you were saying, Jason, it's almost worse than just being in a slave. You know, he's not just doing labor. Not that, that yeah. not that that's okay. Like I'm not I'm not dismissing that, but he's he's even lower than that. He's not even he doesn't even get a purposeful use of like being around his peers, being around you know other Wookies. Instead, he is stripped of all sense of personhood and forced to be this piece of entertainment. He's mm. humiliated because yeah. of his prominence. Yeah, you know. I wonder, you know, if if you were a kid going into Solo, and this is your first Star Wars movie, you've never seen a Star War ever. Star War. <laughs> would would Chewie be scary? Because I know for me, it's mm. like it was an aha moment. Oh, the mm. beast is Chewie. Like, oh, yeah, I, I was not expecting that. Would would a kid, I think, be afraid of Chewie, and then kind of see Chewie the way Han does in that moment, where it's like, whoa, let me out of here, let me out of here. This is terrifying. I think at first, yeah, yeah. definitely. When, when he comes out of the, the cave and he's mm-hmm. dripping in mud and water and he roars, I'd be freaked out. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, that's um, a powerful roar. Yeah, like. yeah. And then I think, I think when the, the kids would, would start to change their opinion would be when Han starts communicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, yeah. Because then you see that breakthrough because Chewie immediately lets go of Han's face and jerks back and is like, whoa, what? What just happened? You know, yeah. he makes a connection. Probably his first connection since being put in chains. Mm-hmm. I want to know: um, were were either of you ever afraid of Chewie? Like when you were kids and you saw the OT for the first time? No, not no, at all. Not oh, at I, all. I was so scared of him. Really? Because yeah, it was. Um, 
uh, when Han says, yeah, well, droids don't tear your arms off if they lose. And, you know, I, me being like a little seven-year-old kid watching this for the first time, I was like, but C-3PO is so harmless, <laughs> you know? And and I was like, is Chewie like, really going to tear his arms off? I was really scared. <laughs> You're like, oh, just, no, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just the idea that he could just go off and tear people's arms off if he, like, if he lost a game, something as innocent as losing a game, the fact that he could just tear your arms off, I thought was really scary. And I remember like he like spends a lot of that movie just like roaring at people. Like, yeah, Luke tries to put the binders on him and Chewie just roars in his face and Luke is scared. So of course I was scared. By the way, for everyone listening, I'm sorry. You just missed Katie's great impression over Skype. Her roar, uh, Rawr, oh, her yeah, roar hands really, were I powerful. Like big claws yeah. at, at, my, at my camera, like Arr. yes. <laughs> oh, and he just he does the same thing. It's like the cute little mouse droid, like oh, yeah. you know, wheels light up, and she was like, "Ah, <laughs> get out of here!" So yeah, I was see, like, <laughs> see, it's the moment after that when yeah. the droid runs off and Chewie kind of like chuckles to himself. Yeah. That's what always I, that was what I always liked. But I was like, ah, mm. see, he's not that bad of a guy. He pretends like he's tough. Yeah, we'll see, like, yeah, the scene that brought him around to me, for me, like, finally, where I'm like, oh, no, this guy's all right, was then when he got scared. You know, he had uh, yeah, just yeah, out yeah, of the, the, the trash compactor, yeah. and he hears shakes something or smells something, so he's shaking his yeah. head. <laughs> come then, here, you, you big then, coward. Chewie, come here. Yeah, Chewie, come here. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Leia's like, wait, they're here. And Han doesn't care. He, you know, fires his blaster anyway. But then, like, the fact that... Leia wasn't scared of Chewie. She calls him a walking carpet. Like, get out of my way. And Chewie, like, doesn't mess with her. I'm like, oh, Leia's not scared. I'm not scared of Chewie. <laughs> Chewie's all right. Chewie. And then she, like, hugs him later. Yeah. You know, when they manage to get away, Leia, yeah. like, did it. And the, yeah. Yeah, and the carpet yeah, big there. Old hug. Yeah. I, yeah. That was, that was like, oh, no, he's. He's not like he's not a beast. He's not just going to go off on someone for no reason. You know that I it it took me a little while, but then I saw the humanity in Chewie, and I like that in Solo. It Han comes around really quickly and establishes that humanity like really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, gosh, Chewie's got some great. I, I made while I was making my notes, I always made some notes on like funny moments because Chewie's got some great funny moments, like the one you just mentioned with the mouse trap. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> nothing I, for me at this point. I don't know that anything can beat the shower scene, right? Oh, right. <laughs> like you see Han's legs and just those big Wookie feet step in. Couldn't have maybe done this one at a time. <laughs> so funny. Um, Han, maybe let the Wookie go first. Like I'm not gonna come between the Wookie and his shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, Han. Um, but out on that gantry though is you know. Uh. Chewie gets a chance to really make a like state his name right and and you you see this in both the script because again you got this on some of the the behind the scenes features from the the Blu-ray um, it's also in the novel which I just finished um, but that when he says to Han like you know what's your name he's got quite a long roar for just saying Chewbacca but he actually says Chewbacca son of and I can't remember the name of his father but like, actually, yeah something with an A I know that it's Atachitic. Atichitic? Well, it's like 16 letters long. <laughs> Jason just crushed it, though. He's like, Atichitic, oh, of course. I think it's Atichitic because um, that was what that that was what they named him in the Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds game uh, oh, that I played that I played forever. Now Jason oh. is mind freaking me. I'm mind freaked over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's a night of mind freak. You know, I just but I I love that he 
when he introduces himself, and again, you wouldn't you wouldn't know this obviously just from watching the film because we only get this from. And again, they tell us in the behind the scenes that they wrote lines for Chewie, like in English, so that you know Alden would know better how to react to these things, which I think is really mm-hmm. smart. And yeah, right, that's how we've always understood Chewie is in relationship to other characters, right? They translate mm-hmm. for us without giving us direct translations. Um, and but I, I love that there's this line about Chewbacca, son of say it again, Atachewik or. Atachitic. Atachitic. Because, again, like what that resonates for me, just thinking culturally, is of like, again, of just a very proud traditional culture. Um, you yeah. know, think, think of like lots of stories in, in the Old Testament where people are always son of someone, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. all about this importance of family tradition. So, oh, again, and, and even if you want to go to a secular source and you go to ancient Greece and yeah. you read the epics, yeah. you know, you got Homer listing just entire families or, you know, people in the the battles. And it's like, you know, so-and-so son of, you know, this person, you know, fought so-and-so son of that person. And, you know, what happened, you know, whatever, you know, but that's, that's definitely an ancient way of, of identifying and, and showing who you are and where you're from. Uh, and, and that kind of a mentality uh, seems to be very important to Wookiees, yeah, um, and, and to their culture, um, which makes it all the more remarkable that Chewbacca, when he has the opportunity in Solo to leave with mm. Wookiees to reintegrate into that culture, he doesn't. Mm. So, yeah. can you imagine if Han had stuck to calling him Chewbacca, son of Atachitic, like? Throughout the entire saga, <laughs> you know, like Chewie's about to fall off that train, and Han's like, "Chewbacca, son of a chitty." <laughs> That's when Chewie just says, "Shorten it." Just, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. die next time if you don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know it. You know, so the fact that like he throws his lot in with this gang early on, right? The the this. You know, to even participate in the train heist. Now, I was thinking about this while I was watching Solo the other night. Like, okay, why? I was telling both of you this before we started recording, but, you know, when I watched Solo the other night, I was specifically paying attention to Chewie, like, in, you know, knowing that we were going to do this episode. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, gee, why, why would he throw himself in with these kind of criminal type, you know, being that he is such a kind of honorable character? Um, but initially, right? Initially, we don't know what Beckett and his gang are doing. All we know is that they're stealing from the empire. Chewie has every reason to hate the empire and want to steal from them. Right. It's very Robin hood in a way, right? Maybe he just thinks, all right, well, we're going to steal their money and I'm going to need money for my quest, right. To, to search the galaxy. That's not going to be a free, you know, a a free venture. So to me, it's like Chewie is doing this for practical reasons. And probably the justification behind it is, well, geez, it's the empire. I don't mind stealing from them. You know, (laughs) I don't mind hitting back after all that they put me through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but you know, can I can I just mention really quick the campfire scene? What? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm shocked that you haven't already. <laughs> oh. So I I I mean, oh god, I love that scene, and uh, you know, th- what I like there is Han and Chewie again. Like this this moment is very much about forging their relationship because Han voices what he's after. It's a relationship. Han seeks belonging. He's, he seeks, in some sense, family. And then Chewie kind of goes over and above Han's desire in the sense that he's, he's seeking more than just 
a partner, right? Like Han is limited by his experience and Chewie in a way is opened by his experience, right? Han is a very limited, tough experience, but Chewie's seen more and Chewie wants his family. And I just think that's so integral to his, his character is wanting to find his family or tribe. And, and again, like Beckett tells us there is no difference. Um, you know, so it, again, it's just like that. It's that callback to even what we have a sense of in revenge of the Sith, which is Chewie's an honorable dude. <laughs> like he's good. Yeah. He's noble and mighty. Yeah. Chewie's the most light side character we have. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. Solo, yeah, definitely. He's, it, it, it's hard to find anything, um, untoward or devious, uh, like or anything like that in Chewbacca. You know, he's he is such a loyal, good-hearted. He's still laughing about my use of untoward. <laughs> Who the hell says that? <laughs> I, I do. Apparently, is untoward. <laughs> untoward. Um, I love it. I'm just going to throw untoward in every sentence now, just to keep yeah. Kyle laughing, um, <laughs> even if it works or not. Uh, but, but but he is one of the most loyal, good-hearted, um, true blue characters we get in Star Wars. Period. End of story. Yeah. yeah. The only one who might be more of that is... Shmi Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Shmi Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> yes, I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shmi Skywalker. But I was going to say Luke Skywalker in A New Hope. Um mm. He's, he takes after his grandma. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, Shmi. Yeah, okay. Well, sh- she takes the cake there. Um, don't you forget about Shmi. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't. don't. <laughs> the Breakfast Club is just the story of Shmi. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> Uh, she plays all five roles. She's the, you know, she's the princess, the rebel. The, <laughs> she's all of them. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh! I I don't know where I was going with that. I think I was. I'm so sorry. That's good. No, I that's that's fantastic. I love it. I'm I'm, praising Chewie and all of his goodness. Yes, he's so good. uh, You know, so good, so good. I got you. (laughs) Ow. Okay. Um. But but that that mentality is with him. And stays with him the entire road that we see him mm-hmm. from his first appearance in Repent of the Sith or the Clone Wars all the way down to The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. That is who Chewbacca is. He's also, you know, almost 200 years old when we first meet him. So he's had a chance to figure out who he is and to figure out what he stands for and go through his awkward searching phase, you know, as a teenager. Um <laughs> Where's that Star Wars story? Yeah. I mean, Teenage can you, Chewbacca. Can I, <laughs> oh let me, I'm glad you brought that up. But real quick, I want to interject a question. Yeah. Do you guys ever think that maybe – and I'm not trying to say that Wookiees are dogs. But like you know how like <laughs> dogs like – right? Like they you – know, right when a dog is one, they're actually seven, right? That multiplication oh, right. of years. There are some things about Chewie in all of the films where he does sometimes come across as a little bit juvenile. And I don't mean that yeah. in a bad way. So I'm just sometimes curious, like just because he's 190, does that mean he has like 190 years of straight wisdom? I'm not saying he doesn't, but there's some things he does that are just kind of silly and juvenile that sometimes make me think, do maybe Wookiees, like, right, maybe there's like that 
Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's either is, is 70, you know, like 12, you know, right. or something like that, you know. I'm not saying um, that it is, but there are certain things about him. Like Rory did a mouse droid. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of silly. <laughs> you know, it's not that it, it is. So I I think Chewie is finds, you know, it's easily entertained. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I mean, I'd probably do something like that, but I'm juvenile and childish. So um <laughs> <laughs> I, there is a childlike quality to, to Chewbacca that I think is part of why he is so true, why he is mm. so loyal, why he is so good. Um, and I think a lot of it is is the simple way he views the world. It's not a simplistic way. It's simple. Mm-hmm. He boils things down to their basic elements, and he makes his decisions based on that. He's very uh, – he, he relies heavily on his intuition. Uh, you know, to go back to the dog analogy, dogs have you know, a very good sense of people, you know, yeah, they, right. who they trust, who they don't trust. In yeah. many cases, there are some dogs I've met that I'm like, you're dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, the school but my at. dogs are not like that. Um, my <laughs> yeah. dogs are – have very good intuition um, and, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think to some extent, and maybe it's because not many people outside of, you know, Wookiees know how to communicate with Wookiees and in, in Shrewook or, or, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing mm-hmm. can understand them and effectively communicate with them. Maybe they have to rely on those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, but I think, I think there is a simple way that Chewie views the world around him views people, views situations, and that heavily informs his personality and the way he, you know, interacts with people. So, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, Chewie is based on George Lucas's dog. Yes. Indiana. <laughs> so, like, that's not completely inaccurate to make that analogy. Um, yeah. Now, you know, so Chewie makes this decision, though, even after the train heist, after he learns that Beckett's in debt to Crimson Dawn, and Chewie's the first one to be like, kind of like, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, for Crimson Dawn, and he's in the background like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's his suggestion immediately, like, well, then let's just run, you know, because yeah. Yeah. they're yeah. bad news yeah. bears. Um, and but he decides to stay and. Something that was consistent, the one thing I really liked that we got in the solo novel is that we do get a sense, a a clear sense. They tell you kind of point blank some of Chewie's perspectives. And this is the first instance where Chewie chooses Han, not necessarily because he sees him as a good friend, but he sees Han as someone who needs him. Um, And I think this is the first instance where I – now, this is me reading into things. This is not explicitly stated in the novel. Um but I feel like that being the case, um, again, when I was just watching it the other night, I think Chewie is wary of Beckett and wary of him being Han's only mentor. So I feel like Chewie, for some, you know, he, he does have um, – he, he cares for Han. He recognizes that Han needs someone and he recognizes that Beckett's not the best thing for him. So Chewie comes around I think in part, in large part, to simply look after Han and potentially save him from Beckett's mistakes. 
No, that's not a bad read at all. I, I agree. It's not explicitly stated, but I think, yeah, when Chewie looks at Han, he sees someone worth following and, and someone who does need a, a bit of looking after. But at the same time, Chewie needs a bit of looking after, too. He needs somebody good watching his back because, you know, look, we're being alone. Got Chewbacca at the beginning of that movie. He didn't escape on his own. And I think, and then Kira explicitly states, you know, Chewie's going to need you and you're going to need him, too. You know, they, they need each other. It's not a completely, like, one-sided relationship. Like, not it's at all. Sim- it's a symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. the midichlorians and the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, we are symbionts <laughs> with them. Symbionts, life forms living together for mutual advantage. A case in point, you know, example A, Han yeah. and Chewbacca. Uh, life forms living together for mutual advantage. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. For friendship, for security, to watch each other's back, for, you know. Snowball fights. Right. right. You know, <laughs> flying around the galaxy in an awesome ship. Um, yeah, it takes two. The it Falcon. Takes, yeah. It takes two. You need you need two. a co-pilot. Mm-hmm. You need a co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I I think Chewie is, in a sense, he, he agrees to go um, along with the plan because he is watching out for Han. Mm. And that is a hallmark of Chewbacca is he's the he watches out for people. Mm-hmm. He's the caretaker, the guard, the shepherd, mm. you know, of of those he cares about. Yeah, the pr- the princess. You have to take care of her. Yeah, uh, yeah, Joey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and then you know we we get when we get to Kessel, we mm-hmm. see, um, we see two really cool attributes of Chewie. Um, one that that's kind of already been alluded to, <laughs> which is his nobility. Right, mm-hmm. um, Chewie's incredibly noble, which we we get in that great moment where he sees the his fellow enslaved Wookies, and he's got to act right. Like it's 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 like his innate is breathing for Chewie. He sees this, and immediately that plan just it doesn't matter in the moment, right? Like it yeah. doesn't mean he's completely done with it because obviously we see him come through for them still, but just you know just that drive. Like he doesn't know these Wookies at all, but these are his people. He longs for all of their freedom so just that that noble act to just run into it and then we learn something else about him Chewie's clearly from a warrior culture because he just kicks some serious butt oh my gosh yes oh i love that scene just the you know wookies everywhere kicking all sorts of butt just picking people up and throwing them to the ground that it's an awesome action sequence yeah oh it's my gosh. pretty awesome and yeah. of course you know one of my you get a quick glimpse of that in the elevator too mm-hmm. right you know yeah, the ripping the arms yeah i mean well there is that you know oh, great that was the uniform that was going to fit me perfectly <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's saying i didn't mean to yeah, like, right yeah. not my fault he's got weak sockets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his tendons tore like bubble gum it's not not my fault not my fault you needed to have a better diet um <laughs> So good, yeah, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's just it, Chewie has, while he is incredibly compassionate and in some ways a very gentle soul, he can also be like this violent force of nature when, when needed, you know, when when enraged, and this is very much a righteous anger, right? The way he charges in for battle, there, this is 
this is more than just a fight, you know, just to, to fight for itself. He's, he's actively fighting injustice there. You know, um, you know, this is something he knows from his own experience and he immediately dives into that fight. This transcends every other fight that happens in that movie. If you really think about it, um, you know, because it's one of immense proportions. Yeah. Completely selfless. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think the you know, and then it's at the end of this scene, which oh God, that Kessel shootout is ugh, like par excellence Star Wars. <laughs> like it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, but uh, you know, again, that like that huge monumental moment when he chooses Han over oh, over Sagwa and the other Wookies. Right, the other yeah. Wookies are going to go back and try to find fellow Wookies and you know, go back to Kashyyyk potentially, <laughs> but he chooses Han. Um, there is like this incredibly selfless decision. And, and again, the, the novel play states it very bluntly. Um, when Chewie looks back, like we get the dialogue between him and Sagwa. It's not immediately mm. typed, but it's, it's, it's given to us that essentially Sagwa's like, come with us. And Chewie says, no, that human needs me. Oh, he's going to need me. So I need to go with him. And, and, it's interesting because in the novel, that scene when Han runs out to rescue Lando, in the novel, it's told that Han, like, being typical Han, right, he's very brash. He runs out there not really thinking this through. And he he yeah. immediately becomes surrounded. So, like, Chewie recognizes that Han's also kind of scared because, like, mm-hmm. he's thinking to himself, oh, crap, what did I just do? So, <laughs> but Chewie recognizes that Han has that, like, innate nobility as well, and he needs someone to protect him and look after him. So that's why Chewie makes that decision. And, and, like that's immensely selfless. Like Chewie is yeah. such a good character. Like you were saying, Jason. I mean, there's just there's nothing but goodness in his bo- in his bones, bones. Yeah. You know, in his bones, in his bones. Um, or his hair. Um, in his hair. It's braided yeah. throughout his hair. Yes. Uh, uh, Chewie. Chewie's best boy. We've been new. We've been new. <laughs> yeah. So I. And uh, I love this this moment when he does make the decision. And, of course, there's that one shot where he's just, like, charging towards uh, Han yeah. and Chewie, which is simultaneously epically heroic and, like, terrifying because it's yes. like, oh, God, giant Wookiee bearing down imminent, um, you know, impact, <laughs> impact imminent. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, no, I, I love the scene. I love the fact that he makes the choice. Mm-hmm. Um and it is in large marge, large measure a selfless choice because he's thinking about Han, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all about Han. Yeah. In that moment, um, and then then of course they blast off, and we get the the incredible awesomeness that happens when uh, he needs to route all power to the rear deflector shields, and um, Chewie's the only Chewie's <laughs> the only one who knows how to like flip all the switches and get it to to happen. <laughs> he's yeah. just like why don't you say so sooner boop boop done it's right. done we're good <laughs> yeah exactly and, now and he becomes co-pilot and all is right in the star wars universe now now can so, i can i do something really quick yes i mean you're gonna do it anyways yeah true yeah. accurate does it matter what we said i think right, i want to listen to the scene because it's so good You're making me listen to L3 die. Oh, 
Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> Just ugly cry. Ugly cry. <laughs> you know, and there's there's a line there. You can barely hear it. I don't because mm-hmm. you could hear it very well in the theater. But where when Chewie does come running forward, Han says, mm-hmm. "Chewie, save him." I don't know if you can hear it. Like I could hear it plain as day in the theater. On the home release, it's a little more subtle. Um, but there, when Chewie's running out, Han says, "Chewie, save him." Um, yeah. And that's when he picks him up. And, you know, I'm always of the opinion – I watched Empire Strikes Back tonight. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but the kind of camaraderie, the way he kind of just is so – when Lando comes out to greet them, he kind of like screws with Han a bit. But then he's immediately so warm with Chewie. It's just like I bet you in some ways it's rooted in this experience. Like Chewie got him out of harm's way. Yeah. Um, there on Kessel back. How you doing, Chewbacca? You still hanging around with this loser? <laughs> and Chewie probably says, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, Don't I don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> I hope Lando and Chewie get to say hi in episode nine. Uh, I'm hi. sure they will. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> now, yeah. No, Chewie just picks know. him up again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I was busy trying to queue up that clip. Sorry, what you were talking That's about. Okay. But yeah, I love the. I mean, the Kessel Run clip is is just so perfect, you know. And and I know I made this point in an episode a, a little bit ago when we were talking about Solo more directly. But again, it's just it's so powerful when Kira and Han, Kira and Chewie come into the cockpit, and Han says, I "Could use a co-pilot." And then eventually, we're going to see who that real co-pilot is because Kira mm-hmm. gives up the seat, and Chewie's the one who knows how to do everything. Like this is the perfect co-pilot. He's the one you need. And Chewie is the perfect support system for Han. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's very satisfying. Cause we, we know it's almost, it's almost a, the Titanic has to sink kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we know where this goes. We know where this ends and you know, the, the, um, they have to end up together and to see it kind of finally happen that to see them take that seat for the first time side by side very satisfying i agree yeah yeah and then you know um the end of the film too Chewie makes the dedicated decision without again never any language mm-hmm. of life debt um i actually just started yeah. rereading because i finished the solo novel so i'm going back and reading the uh ac crispin han solo trilogy back to the legends mm-hmm. canon and mm-hmm. um i actually decided to skip the first book just because i've read it a lot um and i'm doing <laughs> I'm doing Hut Gambit, which is it immediately starts with Chewie swearing the life debt to him. Oh. Um, and, and I always like that story and I still do. I appreciate it. But I, I just so prefer this story, actually, that we get in Solo because yeah. of the equal level of agency of both characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, I, I got to give props to, uh, to our friend Philip here because Philip was the one who made the point that, you know, as much as he always enjoyed the old legend story of Chewie swearing the life debt. He said it's basically Chewie being freed from slavery and then just becoming an indentured servant. (laughs) And and I think that's a really good point. Now, I've also heard like a counterpoint um, of, yeah, but like it's also still good because, again, it shows something that's big and powerful in the Wookiee culture, again, which is reinforced with Jar Jar having a life debt to Qui-Gon, right? So Mm -hmm. that there is something, you know, kind of primal about these cultures having something, you know, honorable like that. But I really like Philip's point, though, of like, yeah, gee, Chewie, Chewie has a deeper purpose for his life, but he's just going to swear indentured servanthood <laughs> to, to this dude. 
Um, so I really like it in Solo. And, and the end of the movie, right, when Kira blasts off and, and leaves Han behind, um, I think that, that paw on Han's shoulder, which is, oh, God, that moment. I'm telling you. It's I've my got friends. you. I've, yeah, I've, I've got you. Yes. You're going to be okay. Like, now more I got than, your back. Yeah. Now more than ever, he has, he's giving his life to Han. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that. He's, and, and again, it's, he's watching out for Han. Yeah. yeah. And he chooses it. Like, I think, so again, like kind of what Chewie represents to Han specifically in solo is more like a big brother. Um, and then yeah. I think then develops into a companionship by the time we get to the OT. Like think of Anakin and Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. It's very much mentor apprentice. But Revenge of the Sith in light of the events of the Clone Wars, right? During the Clone Wars, they become best friends, like brothers. And yeah. I feel like that's what happens for Han and Chewie as well. But I feel like in Solo, it's more Chewie's just being the selfless good guy who's looking <laughs> out for Han. And then obviously all those years together develops this intense camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You say that so well. You say- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have an investment with Han and Chewie. I'm just looking. I, you know, so I, right now I'm trying to decide, am I looking for, because um, my good friend Greg always says to me, he's like, you've already had your Kira. You got to get your Leia, which I completely agree. Um, so, but I also still want my Chewie. Like, Aww. so yeah. luckily Greg is a lot taller than me. And um, I just wish he'd grow a beard. I should tell him that. <laughs> I mean, I got the so, beard. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, I, I've been asking you for years to move to Boston, but for some reason you like hot weather, so I don't get it. Oh, I do. Um, I do like hot weather. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but not, I'm not sure I'd do well in three feet of snow. Um, don't worry. I got a shovel. I'll help you out, buddy. <laughs> I got experience. <laughs> wait, wait. That, Jason's that Chewbacca, though. Are you sure? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, how, how are you going to have those snowball fights if you're not, yeah, you know, Jason. in the How snow? are we going to have those snowball fights, Jason? <laughs> I mean, I'll visit. I'll visit. But, I'll take it. You know. I'll take whatever I can get. I just, I'm imagining, like, Jason flying to Boston, throwing a single snowball at you, and then jumping on a plane and yeah. flying back. Or, that, or even worse, he'll be like, I'm sorry, I just have a layover on my way to somewhere else. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got a layover on my way to, you know, the Bahamas. Yeah. I don't know, I don't, why, I don't know why you're driving to Boston. Yeah, driving, yeah flying right. all the way over to Boston. Now, right. um, so now, like, Chewie's tail obviously fast forwards a decade, and mm. we see him in A New Hope. And his first interaction in A New Hope is with General Kenobi. Um, <laughs> now, what do you guys think? Now, I'm thinking about this. Do you think that he might know, and maybe even, maybe not necessarily directly personally, but let's let's remember in Revenge of the Sith, he knows Yoda, um, and Yoda seems to, like the way he says farewell. I mean, right? We're we're implying a lot from a simple line of like, you know, mm. so long, Chewbacca, so long, Tarful, miss you, I will. The emotion that's laced in Yoda's words there is one of, you know, kind of an important camaraderie. So it makes me wonder, do you think when Bet, you know, Obi-Wan sees Chewie when he walks into that cantina, he immediately goes to him because he might know who he is. What do you guys think? I, I, I see where you would get that. And I see why that might be exciting. Mm. I, I think no. Sure. Uh, because, I mean, if Chewbacca, you know, yes, knew Yoda very well, and, and obviously he interacted with Ahsoka, you know, the name Obi-Wan Kenobi might not be unfamiliar to him, but I don't think, 
I don't think he would have known what Obi-Wan looked like sure. and then been point. able to, you know, then add 20 years to that face. You know, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I feel like the galaxy is a big place. Yeah. And at the time of the clone wars, the, the Jedi were 2000 Jedi strong, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think he would have necessarily known one specific Jedi, except for maybe like Yoda and maybe Ahsoka. You know, I, I, I think, I think when old Ben Kenobi walks into that cantina, it's a completely new face to, to Chewie. Sure. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that they knew each other. Chewie may have known of Obi-Wan, but mm-hmm. there's no way that he knows Ben and Obi-Wan are the same person. However, yeah. um, and while I don't think Obi-Wan necessarily knows who Chewie is, I think yeah. Obi-Wan knows the reputation of the Wookiees and -hmm. especially the esteem that Yoda holds them in. And so when he sees a Wookiee, um, he falls back on the knowledge of these are loyal. These are honorable people. um, So maybe I go talk to this guy and see what they can do, you know? Um, Yeah. If everybody in this cantina is, you know, scummy, if it's, it's a, if it's a hive of scum and villainy, then maybe, yeah, he's drawn to, to the Wookiee. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, for the sake of time um, and maybe mm-hmm. my own fault, I want to maybe, maybe <laughs> you we'll love get... solo. It's okay. I know you, you love it so much. I really do. My heart bleeds <laughs> no, it's for it. Great. Um, but the, to be fair, I mean, there's not as nearly as much to say in the other films. But so the a couple other things I think worth mentioning, though, specifically in A New mm-hmm. Hope, mm-hmm. is. Um, kind of towards the end of the film, right? You know, when Luke says goodbye to, well, he doesn't say goodbye initially. He's coming to try to talk Han into helping. And, mm-hmm. you know, Han obviously is very adamant, like, I'm not sticking around here. And as soon as he walks away, Chewie says something to Han. We don't know what, but yeah. Han's like, you know, I know what I'm doing. Like, it's clear that Chewie's chastising them to some degree. Um, and I think for Chewie, he's taken a strong liking specifically to Luke, probably a little bit to Leia and the rebellion in general, because again, it goes back to a decade earlier when he talked about freeing his people and finding his Mm -hmm. people. I think he's of course going to be attracted to this rebellion movement. Um, Mm -hmm. And whatever happens off screen. um, (laughs) And and again, this is alluded to very directly in the, a new hope radio drama, which y'all are going to get in a few weeks. Well, 10 weeks. It's (laughs) like a long, that one's long, (laughs) Um, but uh you know, he talks about Han tells like Luke and Leia that Chewie did some convincing while they were gone. And, um, and I think you can even imply that even without the radio drama, like yeah. to me, Chewie probably points out to Han that Luke is someone who needs him, right? Like mm. just like Han needed Beckett, this is an opportunity for you to be there. It's an opportunity for us to build a crew and a family for the first time in a long time. Um, and I think that nobility of Chewie once again ignites the nobility that does exist in Han. Um, and and I just think it'd be so cool to like, I'd love to get like a one-off comic just of that little tale of them flying away. And, Aww, like, like, or even yeah. just like a quick short story where it's like Chewie does remind him of like, remember, you know, remember when we first met and you needed somebody, you know, you needed a mentor. Well, Luke needs a mentor too. He needs us. And, you know, you've you've been looking for belonging for so long and we these these people can be that 
So I just I'd love to like see Chewie like saying those things to Han and Han being like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would love. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Just to like kind of yeah. build on your fanfic here. I would love. <laughs> if, I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> if it, if um, Chewie said something, you know, referencing um, Ben Kenobi's sacrifice, you know, mm. just just a day before yeah. hours, even I don't know where it's all like that that old man gave his life and Han like, well, I didn't tell him to do that. And it's like, yeah, but it's still, we're alive because of him. And I don't, this isn't what he died for because then we have to remember mm. that Han then named his son after right. Ben Kenobi. So if yeah. like, yeah, if it's all, you know, if, if, yeah, we had like a little comic that showed like why Han decided to turn around and save Luke, you know, How like, fun and, would that be? And, yeah, right. It would be great. It would be amazing. And then also some Ben Kenobi love, you know, yes. tying, you know, just kind of strengthening that thread yeah. between Han and Ben Kenobi. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my no, God. I, I firmly am in the camp of I believe Chewie is the reason Han came back. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. Chewie's, you know, Jiminy Cricket in this instance. He's his conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he's not small and able to fit in your hat, but um, <laughs> you can fit in his hat. <laughs> right, right. You, you, your conscience can carry you, Han. Yeah. In Star you Wars, Jiminy Cricket you wears you. Right. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! You shouldn't question your conscience when it can pick you up and make it make you do what it wants. Um, right. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the the idea and the notion that that chewy mm-hmm. is the big reason why han came back chewy uh said some things probably not as much as as we think because chewy doesn't need to say a lot yeah um, yeah that's true he, he may have said one or two grumbly words and then just stared at han until mm-hmm. han made the right decision on his own um well, yeah, I feel like Han doesn't need to hear. Sometimes he needs to hear it, but I feel like you know, just a look from Chewie and Han knows he messed up. Like yeah. he knows. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we we get that at the end of that scene. He, you know, Chewie growls and then just kind of looks up at Han, and he's he's like he's got this like kind of sad look on his face. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And Han's like, I know. What, what are I'm you doing. looking at? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. I can just imagine that puppy dog face getting worse uh, the, the more they loaded up the money and prepared to take off. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so then, you know, we get into Empire and I feel like Chewie is – I like the way you put this earlier, Katie, that he is kind of the caretaker. Or mm-hmm. maybe you said that, Jason. Um, I don't know. You both. Yeah, like the shepherd, yeah. Yeah. Of, and, of goodness, yeah. Just always looking out for them, watching over them. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, going with, right, this, so Ryan Johnson was inspired by the notion of an empire, which is, right, this middle chapter. You, you take all the mm-hmm. characters and then you, you put them up against their biggest challenge, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the case in an in, in, in empire, right? Yeah. And I think Chewie's biggest challenge the theme that runs through empire for Chewie is helplessness. Um, oh yeah. Oh you know, yeah. Like that sound he makes yeah. when Leia has to shut the doors, yeah. you know, leaving Han and Luke out there in the cold, yep. his, 
he makes the sound that Leia's heart makes like silently, you know, he like actually, he gives it a voice. It's such a powerful moment. Like, yeah, but it's exactly that hopelessness. And it is, it's very consistent through empire, you know, up until the very end, you know, when, when they're going to take Han away and, and, you know, he's like, no, no, this ain't happening. It's not, you're not putting him down there. And then Han's like, no, you, you can't help me now. The princess, she needs you, and that—that that is something he can do. Right, you know, it, yeah, it's a really good way to culminate his arc in yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't help but like your heart can't help but break for Chewie here because Chewie is the one who's always looking out for them and caring, and yeah. specifically Han. Right. So mm-hmm. early on in Hoth, you know, geez, I can't even go out. By the way, fun fact in the in the, fun fact. That's not bad. <laughs> But in the radio drama, the, the, yeah. you know, 3PO makes a comment to Chewie in that scene. He's like, you know, Chewbacca, you can't take the Falcon out. It's still not ready. And you're certainly too large to ride a Tauntaun. So, like, they even make <laughs> sense of it there. Uh, can you just imagine Chewie, like, saddled up on a Tauntaun? Um, oh, my gosh. Imagine, oh my gosh. Like, like, trying to straddle two at the same yeah. time. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, so funny. If he's on just one, that, that poor Tauntaun. You just imagine the legs going. Yeah, you know, like in you know, in Empire, there, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest theme for Chewie is that of helplessness, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, in, in the God. way he, he rages against that helplessness, yeah. right? You know, yeah. um, specifically on Cloud City, right, the way he's just tossing stormtroopers like they're ragdolls, um, even though even that gesture is, is, is useless. And Han, and Han, like you said, Katie, gives him a new purpose, gives him something that he can finally in some way help with. Yeah. But then he, you know, as soon as he's free of those binders, he rages at Lando, right? You know, oh yeah, um, yeah. The way he just starts choking him out. I mean, that's that is his rage personified. Like he's holding Lando guilty, even though it's clear that it's not. And you know, I mean, it's not directly Lando's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but if in that moment, Chewie's finally free to do something. He's got to do something with that rage. Well, of course, he's going to attack Lando. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, like the but the other thing and just fun little theme for Chewie that weaves its way through Empire as well. And it is directly in line with what we've been talking about consistently, which is that of like the shepherd, that of caregiver. Think of when 3PO goes missing on Cloud City. Well, it's yeah. Chewie is the one who goes out of his way to seek out 3PO. 3PO yeah. is part of the crew. He's part of the family. Chewie needs yeah. to go find him, then put him back together. At the end of the film, when... Leia gets the force call from Luke. Yeah. Chewie is Chewie yells at Lando with yeah, his reluctance. Yeah, Lando's like, nah. Chewie's like, nah, bro, we're going. And yeah, he yeah. flies right yeah. back into the hornet's nest. Like, mm-hmm. again, it's an opportunity for him not to be helpless and to yeah. save the crew, save the family. You know, mm-hmm. I use those almost like those terms interchangeably here with Chewie. Yeah. It's it's a crew, but it's also a family. And yeah. Chewie's got no qualms flying back into the hornet's nest for Luke. I'm imagining no. Chewie is like this mother duck trying to get all his little ducklings in a row. Like, wait, wait, where's C three PO? Okay, there you back yep. in line. Yep. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And look how excited he is when R two shows up. 
You know, I the know. way he roars at him and like greeting and turn around, you stupid oaf. <laughs> you know, but oh just, my gosh. Yes. Um, and how happy turn around, is- Chewbacca. We're trying to save <laughs> Han from the bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> And like, just when he finally, you know, skip ahead a little bit, but when he finally gets his arms around Han again, like, oh, oh, oh I, I think it. he holds him so tight. Yeah. Like, never leave me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And once, you know, the end of that film, you know, they've mm-hmm. got Chewie has done his work. He's made sure that the crew's, the family's back together, except for this one missing piece. So, well, what are we going to do now? Let's go get Han. Right. Yeah. So, again, that is very clearly a consistent theme. Um, I think if, if not the, the biggest character trait of Chewbacca would probably be that of loyalty. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. So yeah. now that we're almost complete again, now we've got to go get Han. Um, yeah. So, you know, so I, I made this I alluded to this earlier in the episode, but going back into Jabba's palace and willing, I mean, yeah, maybe we this is me making a, a, a you know, a, an into making a guess here, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know behind the scenes how Chewie feels about being chained up again. Now, granted, yeah. the only thing that's chained is his neck, right? His hands are free. True. Um, yeah. Which is a little crazy to think because Chewie could do some damage, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the fact that he's, she's holding a thermal detonator. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. You know? But the fact that he's willing to be put into chains, something yeah. he absolutely hates, uh, shows how much he's committed to getting Han back. Yeah. So I just I, I think that's worth mentioning. <laughs> no, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, he wouldn't do it for anybody else, I don't think. I don't think so. No, either. no. There, there's, you well, know, maybe, maybe Luke, Luke or Leia. Leia but, yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's that's it. You know, it's this is his family, you know, and he would do anything for them, including, you know, wear chains. Um and we we know his reaction to those, but yeah, no, it, it's it's a great little thing. If you're looking for it, it's mm-hmm. a great thing to to recognize and to see. Yes, no, that this is this is a big deal for Chewie. Um, otherwise, he, it's just you know he's part of the plot to to bust everybody out, you know, which is awesome too. But yeah. if you're if you're looking for those moments, looking for those connections, this is a big deal. And uh, Chewie, Chewie's not someone who necessarily does anything lightly. Yeah. Namely, because I feel like he's got a heavy foot. But um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. Yeah. Well, it it makes me think about you know if if Chewie ever put much thought into the fact that he is going to outlive them, and if mm. the death of Han Solo felt like a failure, you know, like. I I don't know, because in a way, I think Chewie does have to, you know, he has to be aware, like, I'm going to have to watch Han die one day. You know, was he just like, I'm going to stave off that that moment, that goodbye as long as I can? Or, you know, or I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess, you know, when Han Solo dies, obviously, it's it's super hard on Chewie, the way he roars, you yeah. know? And then I remember what you were saying earlier about how he rages, you know, against that helplessness. It, it it does say something to me that he doesn't immediately kill Kylo Ren. I mean, yeah, he takes the shot, but it's not a headshot, you know? Right. And and I don't I I don't know. I'm having a lot of thoughts here all at once. <laughs> what do you guys think? Help me sort this out. Well, I I think Chewie probably realizes he will outlive all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um if if 
we follow the natural order of life. You know, if it's mm-hmm. life, everyone lives out their full life. Um, Chewie probably realizes he will outlive everybody, all, all of these people. And, you know, he's probably already made his peace with that. However, what happens to Han is Han's life gets taken. Yeah. You know, in, in a way where it shouldn't. And in a painful way uh, by his own son. You know, someone who Chewie watched grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh so presumably that's we don't know presumably this. presumably yes. yeah. yeah yeah i mean if nothing else he got hollow videos um but, yeah every um, life day every life day. every life exactly day. yeah every life day he got hollow videos um <laughs> and you know the the skype calls um yeah with little ben <laughs> you know, little ben solo yeah I, I can't remember where we get it but it is in the new canon that at some point after return of the jedi chewie does return well, it's so. Well, here's something I wanted to mention specifically from Return of the Jedi. You yeah, know, yeah. Which is, you know, we get that scene in the mission briefing where we find that Han's now a general in the rebellion, and mm. Chewie immediately wants to be part of that. And I think, in some ways, I think Chewie's, fi- in some way, probably thinking, finally, Han's there. <laughs> Han's yeah, at the point yeah. where, he's, where he's being selfless and giving himself over to something more important. You know, and I think for Chewie, he's like back, he's back him, you know, as a character, Chewie, he's back in that that war council, yes. you know, that we saw him with with Yoda. You know, what I mean, he's yep. he's back. fighting. He's fighting. And, the bad and guy. he got to. Yeah. yeah and he got to bring Han with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything is kind of back to where it belongs. Right. And, yeah. And I just yeah. think, you know, that's an important moment for Chewie because mm-hmm. um, now he gets to be in the fight towards the liberation of Kashyyyk. And mm-hmm. one of the first steps is really crippling the empire. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think we see that actually during the battle of Endor, the Tarzan yeah. swing and, you know, the, his funny <laughs> tactics there in the ATST. Yeah. What I was thinking about, again, just thinking about this and pertaining to Chewie, it's the only time in a firefight in star Wars and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I could be, but as far as I can remember, it's the only time in a star Wars firefight where Chewie's not right at Han's side. Um, yeah, I'm racking my brain right now. Well, I mean, there's there's the escape from Bespin. But well, but Han's, Han's not there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm saying when but, Han is also there, they're always right. fighting kind of side by side or near each other. Yeah, yes. you're right. And I think yeah. it's important because Han, Han and Chewie now are both members of the rebellion. It, I, what I'm thinking to myself is he's doing that Tarzan swing. I hear K2SO saying, "You're a rebel now," you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like Chewie can now be fully committed to this endeavor. And then, you know, Chuck, Win- Chuck Wendig's trilogy shows yeah. that liberation of Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. And what we learned, yeah, it's in those novels we learned that Chewie's been away for a little bit, but he comes back with Han, and Han's like, no, I promised Chewie I'd help liberate Kashyyyk, even if the you know higher-ups in the alliance won't help. I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes. It didn't even matter to him that Leia was pregnant, yeah. I mean, of course it mattered, but right. he's like, this is something I've promised to do. And yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I and, mean, and Leia knows, you know, the relationship between Han and Chewie well enough to know that, oh, yeah. you know, it's not personal. And she's like, fine, I understand. Yeah. But um, when baby I, comes, you better be here. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's, that was, yeah. yeah I, I didn't mean it as harsh as it came no, out. No, of course no, no. It, it mattered to him that Leia was pregnant. It was just like that. That's how important the liberation of, of Kashyyyk was to, to Han was that, you know, even if Leia was pregnant and he still went out and did this. Yeah. You know? No, I, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, 
Well, and it's not necessarily directly that important to Han, but it's important to Chewie, which yeah. makes it important to Han. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so, and doesn't Chewie stay in Kashyyyk for a while to help it rebuild it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. does. So. Yeah, he does. Um, do you think? Do you think Ben Solo was is one of Chewie's like ducklings? Like when Ben Solo left, you know, to go be Kylo Ren. Do you think that cut Chewie as deeply as it cut Han and, and Leia? I'm gonna as deeply. No. Um, no. Okay. And the only reason I say that is is because I again we we don't have this material yet, and I'm sure at some point we'll get it. Yeah. Um, but. I do think Chewie was probably to a large degree back on Kashyyyk doing his mm. own family thing because his second yeah. family, Han and Leia and Luke, they're mm-hmm. probably like in his mind, they're probably like, okay, they're all set. They're good and safe. Like we've made they're a galaxy grown. a better yeah. place. They've grown up. Mm-hmm. I can go be attentive to my family now, but obviously we'll stay in touch. That's um, fair. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like Ben's leaving um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure Kylo – or excuse me, Kylo. Chewie had some interactions with a young Ben. I don't think he was there all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like actually the fact that Chewie comes back to be with Han in you know, those mm. couple of years prior to Force Awakens yeah. shows that Chewie leaves Kashyyyk again because he knows Han needs him. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a very raw time for Han Solo. Yeah. And so Chewie's like, I drop everything. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to agree with Carl on this. I don't think Ben's leaving mm-hmm. um, necessarily had as much of an impact on, on Chewie as it did Han and Leia. Um, I, I, I'm i going to agree and, and on that. And of course, you know, Ben leaves to go train with Luke for a while and then later on becomes Kylo Ren. Um, and so, you know, Chewie's probably used to Ben not being around by this time because he's been out training and, and yeah. you know, he hasn't been there as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm sure it hurts him because yeah. he it's it's Han and Leia's son, yeah. the reason why he comes back and stays at Han's side is because it hurts Han. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why I ask is, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I I do feel like Ray has become one of his little ducklings. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look after her now. Yeah, it's all about Ray. (laughs) And I think that I I couldn't agree more. And and I think one of the things that Solo, the movie Solo, a Star Wars story, also gave to us was Mm -hmm. really drawing a comparison between a young Han and Ray. Exactly. They're they're very different characters, to be sure. Right. Like. Ray is a much more optimistic character than young Han Solo. Um, has has a deeper, well, has a more overt sense of selflessness than Han mm-hmm. certainly does. But like, she also has a lot of similar hangups, and you know, yeah. I think Chewie. I mean, Han also sees this in Ray too, but Chewie sees that in Ray, and I think he even comes to see that in Finn. The fact that he returns at the end of the film to yeah. rescue Finn and Ray. Again, going back to like that theme I was talking about in Empire. Once again, mm-hmm. he's got a new crew here. He wants to look out for. He's got a new, you know, new ducklings to put. You know, <laughs> yes. put your language into it. And <laughs> there are new people that need his help. Um, yeah. yeah. Really quick, when you were talking earlier, I, I wanted yeah. to cue this up just because it's 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 a mighty roar and it's worth listening to. I love it. Oh, no. <laughs> 
so good. That is uh, such a mighty roar from good old. Oh, uh, it's powerful. Oh, yeah, it's so very powerful. Oh, my heart. Oh, no. I, oh, my God. Okay. Last little duckling I'll talk about. I really like Chewie's new porg. Mm. I think that is <laughs> yeah. so important to me in a lot of ways. I, I might be reading too much into this, that, which is fine, but I feel like the porg represents Han. <laughs> Where it's like, you know, he's got this like new little guy to look after, <laughs> and the guy's like kind of annoying. <laughs> You know, like kind of annoys him a little bit. <laughs> I, I I just thought it was his therapy pork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. One out of ten. All right. Ten being most likely, one being least likely. What is the chance okay. of us seeing that pork in episode nine? Oh, three. What? what? No, I, I'm giving it at least a nine. I want my my heart wants to say ten. I'm like obviously like it's Chewie's poor like that's his buddy. Like obviously we're gonna see his little buddy. But I have that like little sprinkle of doubt that's like, well, JJ didn't invent it, so he might write it out. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I feel like there was a lot of porgs on that Falcon, and this one porg in particular seemed to have taken a shine to Chewie. I feel yeah. like, yeah, he's gonna have his like his little his little bro. Yeah. yeah. So nine, I hope nine for I, me. I hope you're right. Yeah. But my inclination always, and in, in when I you know think of things I would like to happen, is to completely undercut them, <laughs> so that I so that I'm not disappointed if it doesn't happen, um, but that I'm super excited when it does. So <laughs> That's I'm fair. like, I'm like, I mean, think of the children. I don't want to be like somebody. Think of the children. No, but like, think of the kids. The kids are going to be like, what happened to Chewie's porg? And then they're going to have to explain. Well, like, I mean, it all. It all it also depends on how long we have between yeah. uh, Last Jedi and Episode Nine, because mm-hmm. if Porgs only live a certain amount of time, and we go five, six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever sure. it is, okay, um, you know, maybe maybe Porg has uh, gone to that great island in the sky. Um, <laughs> Should we flush him down the refresher? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's horrible. I, I love feel, it. I feel like Chewie. If he dies, I feel like Chewie would just eat him. Oh, no. so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't. I don't feel guilty about this. Oh, oh. my gosh! <laughs> yeah. Now you know. So, like, just to kind of round out the conversation, though, like in yeah. both seven and eight, like Chewie doesn't have a huge part, um, and either more so in seven, just because Han's still around, but he. He does. He takes a shine to Ray and Finn, ushers them in, and then episode eight, he's with Ray that entire film. Like she is now the one he's taken under his wing. I love the fact though that he th- like busts down Luke's door. Um, yeah, like he's just not having it. Like he's just no. come through the worst experience of his life, watching Han be killed. Like he's done with Luke sitting behind a door. Like get your butt <laughs> out here, Luke. Um, yeah. Do you know what we had to go through to find you? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's one thing that af- after that scene, Ryan kind of just ignores Chewie's presence. And, and I don't mean this to, I don't mean this to like be hating sure. on it. it. It is, you know, we, we only get Chewie like his comical scene cooking mm-hmm. porgs. And that's really <laughs> it. We don't really get any more of Chewie. And I'm of the opinion, based on what we've been talking about, even just in this episode, the, the strong sense of loyalty Chewie has to this second family. I don't see how he's not more in Luke's face about things. 
Um, and I, I mean, I get why from the storytelling point because this is about Ray, um, and it's not about Chewie. And, and again, if R two can't get Luke back, Chewie's not going to be able to. And I'm not saying yeah. it should be Chewie convincing him, but I feel like we need more than just that one scene. Maybe I don't know. Maybe this is just me thinking too much. Well, I mean, but but Chewie is also gentle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie mm-hmm. has his outbursts, but Chewie's gentle, and Chewie is not uh, someone of many words. He says what he needs to say. It's usually short, probably very blunt, and exactly to the point, um, and doesn't feel the need to elaborate because people know what he means. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the gist of it, and and and. Uh, I'm sure there was an extended conversation after, you know, Luke goes, where's Han? Mm. And then, you know, we cut forward in time. So I'm sure there was, you know, discussion. Sure. Uh, and yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Han and, and – or excuse me, Chewie and Luke um, – had a couple of other interactions on the island while Ray is training or something like that. But, mm. you know, we don't necessarily need to see that because Ray's the focus. Her training is the focus. Uh, but, but also, I don't think, you know, once Chewie has said what he needs to say, I don't think he needs to keep going back. True. Yeah, that's a good so, Yeah. Yeah, I don't just, see Chewie as the kind of guy to just pick up Luke and throw him on the Falcon. Like, right, I don't yeah. care. You're like, you're coming. Doesn't matter what you have to say. Right. Yeah. Because um, that's not Chewie. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, if if that message from Leia, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm. if that wasn't going to bring him back, then then yeah, nothing Chewie had to say was gonna was gonna do it. So I think he was he was satisfied to kind of sit back and let the situation develop. And the minute Ray said go, Chewie was like, Yeah, we're gone. Yeah. You know, like yeah, the just the minute she said go. So Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you uh. Uh, I mean Chewie piloting that Falcon so expertly through the oh, you so know good. the underground of crate. Oh uh, my gosh! What, oh I my like, gosh. what I like in that too is, um, you know, that he, the way he interacts with Ray in those scenes just reminds mm-hmm. me of him with Han in that cockpit. Yeah. You know, yeah. like she's the one giving the orders in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, He's and, always been the co-pilot, and yeah. he is perfectly fine. Right. Being the co-pilot, yeah, he's even, perfectly fine being even with Ray two. down in the gun turret. He's still in the co-pilot seat, yeah. you know. Um, but he's, and that's I just think like he has now developed this relationship in in, in the sense of I can just you know I, I keep hearing like the reason he sticks around in Solo for Han is this guy needs me. I feel like that's going to be the same case with him with Ray. She mm-hmm. needs yeah. me. I'm going to stick around until this is figured yeah. out. Part of, me, like, part of me thinks he probably actually hates Ben Solo, to be completely honest. Oh, maybe, oh don't maybe, break my heart. I know, but let me let me make him. my point. He wouldn't have FedExed Ray to her to uh, him. Like that's a good point. Well, maybe well maybe <laughs> Ray think, tells him, you know, I can I can save this dude, and he he yeah. trusts Ray. But I mm-hmm. so I will say I think he did try to kill Kylo in Force Awakens. You think? I really okay. do. The way they shoot that, the way he takes aim. I, it's not a headshot because it's probably just really far away. He, he might have very well been. I think he was trying to kill him. I really. He do. was decimating stormtroopers on on they were the all, planet. They were close to him though. I Kylo's guess, a lo- I yeah. mean, they, they do a good job of showing you how far away he is from them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Right. And again, this is just me saying, but like, I really don't think he has such a tremendous loyalty to Ben. He really doesn't. Okay. I don't think so. I do think he was trying to kill him there. I mean, he's 
pissed and he's just trying to kill him. I so. I mean, I don't know if he was necessarily trying to kill him. He's trying to hurt him for sure because he's mad. Yeah. This is this is a pure – that shot is out of pure hurt and pain and anger. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he even thought far enough ahead what he was trying to do with it. I think he just like that's that's it. That's how I'm, I'm – de- you, you, don't, you don't shoot somebody to just cause them pain though because that's like masochistic. I think he's shooting well, to kill <laughs> and he doesn't I mean, but he possible. wants to. You know, I mean it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, I don't but, know. I, but I I don't think Chewie hates Ben. He's angry with him. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely That's what angry I said. I with think him. Maybe hates a bit strong. And and you're, it's a good point, Katie. That I don't think he just FedEx raid him <laughs> if he yeah. thinks he's a complete danger. But I'm talking more specifically in Force. Aw- but then even at the beginning of Last Jedi, like mm-hmm. to learn why maybe Luke is there. You know, mm-hmm. Ben has just he's killed his best friend. He's caused his other close friend to go into exile like doesn't got a lot doesn't got a lot to tick off for why he likes ben um you know but i do think in force awakens he's trying to kill him um and and i think it's ray who probably convinces him in last jedi again off screen mm-hmm. um that there is something about ben that still exists that she can fix and and i think that his love of han and leia yeah. Is what gives him the hope that like, okay, I hope you're right because I love Han and Leia enough that I hope something more for their kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, like my my one argument really for why I don't think Chewie was going for a kill shot is because, I mean, even even in that moment of like pure hurt, how does he go to Leia and say, your son killed your husband and then I killed your son? Like just that... Yeah. Luke thought about killing her son was enough to make him know, like, nope. He's like, I'm gone. I am not telling Leia that I almost killed her son. How does Chewbacca go to Leia and be like, I, I killed him. And I, I, I just did. I just took the shot and killed him. Like, I don't, I don't think Chewie's capable of that. How does he square that with the memory of his friend? Han? That too. You yeah. know, how, you know, yeah. Han died trying to rescue Ben mm-hmm. and failed. So maybe that's why she was like, yeah. he's gone. I'm just going to rid the galaxy of this plague. Yeah. It, oh, it's it's such definitely a, it's, open to interpretation. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I like I mean, in, the really of, in the heat of the moment, sorry. like, well, in the heat of the moment, he's yeah. not thinking, what am I going to tell? Like, he doesn't care. All he thinks is yeah. my best friend was just brutally murdered. I'm pissed. Boom. I just shoot. It's it's and. Maybe it isn't instinctively like, I want him dead. It's just, I'm going to shoot at him. And a consequence of shooting someone is is obviously death. So. Well, that's the only way he can hurt him, though. Like, he mm. is so far away. Like, what is he, like, throw it at him? Like, <laughs> right. if you just want to hurt him, you know, that is the only way he can hurt him. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I do, um, selfishly. selfishly. I really want uh, Chewie to adopt uh, Poe as well mm. in the next movie. Yeah. I would, oh my gosh, that's my dream. I want to see Chewbacca well, just looking after uh, Ray, Finn, and Poe. Like. So really quick then, and, and <laughs> if, you, if you are one of those folks who's avoiding any sort of spoilers, definitely mute just for the next 20 seconds. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we set a timer? Yeah. <laughs> I will only... Tell me okay. when your timer's set. We will literally make this just 20 seconds. Yeah, we'll make this a 20 second, maybe 30. I don't know. Nah, 20's fine because it's a quick statement. <laughs> Where is my timer? 
stopwatch. I got a new phone, so all of my apps are weird. Do, right. do one of you I guys have this. one? Yep, I got this. Hold on one second. I'll tell you when we start. Okay. Do, 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 do. Stopwatch. Go. All right. So in 20 seconds, that shot that we got from you know the start of the film, yes. of the filming, it is clearly Poe in the pilot seat, Chewie in the co-pilot seat, Finn behind them. Oh, my God. So I can't wait. I, I want can't, that so bad. I can't wait for that, too. All right. Uh, 17 seconds, 18, 19, and we're done. <laughs> okay. No more spoilers. We're, we're no good. more spoilers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So I'm hoping we might get something like that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really cool. Now, yep. <laughs> I think that wraps up our conversation on Chewy. Oh, that's a good convo. Good convo. <laughs> Jason, I can't wait till we have some more to add to the conversation. I know. Me, okay. too. All right. Now, 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 say it in Shrewbook, Jason. <laughs> well done, sir. Your, your accent, I must say, spot on. Oh, perfect. Wonderful accent. Absolutely well, perfect. I mean, I had a good teacher. Um, <laughs> Tarful's wife. Um, I, I love, love it. I, I love it. So there you go. There you have it. There's our our thoughts on the the great and mighty Chewbacca and, and his, you know, impeccable character traits that just continue to amaze us throughout this, this saga of star Wars. So, you know, as always share your thoughts on Chewie. And speaking of which we have a poll for you for next episode. That's going to allow you to speak directly to that. Oh my gosh. It's such an awesome poll. Um, Basically we want to know, uh, what's your favorite Chewy moment? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a you know quick and easy poll. It has everything to do with this episode that we just uh, finished up here. We want to know what is your favorite Chewbacca moment. Um, there's quite a few good ones, so I cannot wait to see what people say. And I got to figure out which one I want to pick. Um, <laughs> I've already got but, one. <laughs> Oh, I have, wow, I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> with the 22nd viewing of Solo now in your rear view mirror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I got to update my list. Thanks for saying that. Um, <laughs> I've been keeping a tally since May 4th. So, Oh, my gosh. Of all the Star Wars movies I've watched. I've watched a lot of Star Wars movies, to be fair. I should start doing that. Yeah, I just um, thought that was like a good benchmark. As on okay. May 4th of this year, I was like, I'm going to start doing that. Now, to be fair, by solo one will forever be accurate because if i just keep doing this that's the only one that's come out since i've started yeah so, wow. yes okay so that's up to 22 <laughs> i feel like i must have i've watched uh, the last jedi at least 30 times maybe pushing 35 by now because i saw it in in theaters 16 18 18 times wow that's in wild. theaters yeah it i really like last jedi you guys yeah. I really like it. <laughs> I know that's a, that's a, yeah. So Empire's up to five viewings. Ooh, um, there you go. But you know what's in second place to Solo? Phantom. Is it Phantom? Last Jedi. Oh, I've watched it six times. <laughs> so all right. wow. Yeah. All right. Well, when they added it to Netflix, even though I have it on digital, for some reason with Netflix, I watched it like three times in a row, like in two days. So I just I, was, <laughs> I just got I caught the Last Jedi bug. Um, it was like a punch in the face from Captain Kennedy. <laughs> So. <laughs> He's got the and that punch in the, and yeah. that punch the face should have come five bloody minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go, there you go, folks. There is the poll for next episode. So be sure to let us know your favorite Chewbacca moment. Um, yes. And uh, 
Yeah, and again, remember, if you want, stick around after the episode for episode three of the New Hope radio drama as well. Yes, it'll be awesome. You should stick around. So, uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup, or the, not the matchup, the poll, if they want to weigh <laughs> in on the poll, if they want to just comment anything on Chewbacca and anything we discussed today, or if they just want to drop us a line and say hi, where can people do that? Um, you can find us on Twitter at Wampus Lair. Follow, uh, get us on Facebook at Wampus Lair Podcast. Send us emails at Wampus Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And, of course, head over to our Patreon page if you want to help the support the show and become part of the Patreon family. Do that at patreon.com slash podcast. And, Katie, where can people find follow you in all your amazingly insightful thoughts and feelings on Star Wars? <laughs> Mostly feelings. Yes, come hit me up on Twitter at Poe Hot Dameron. There you go. It's a great Twitter page, <laughs> folks. Thank great you. Thank you. <laughs> Do y'all have anything else before we close this episode down? No, I couldn't think of any other music to play but this, because it is his yeah. theme. It's perfect. Send us home. Send thank, us home. Thank you, John Powell. <laughs> yes. Thank you, John Powell. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 303, The Mighty Chewbacca. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason. Stick around for the next episode of the radio drama, and we'll see you next week here in the Wampus Lair. Star Wars, Episode 3, Black Knight, White Princess, and Pawns. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. High among the rebel councils stood the royal house of the planet Alderaan, which had long been a loyal supporter of the old republic before it was subverted and overthrown by the empire. The dedication of the royal house to the return of peace and justice was total and fierce. Ordinary individuals swept along by the fervor of rebels like the Princess Leia Organa found themselves enmeshed in critical events. The center stage of galactic history was sometimes occupied by the unlikeliest of men and women and non-humans and even machines. R2-D2, wake up. R2. Attention, all droids and automaton to Spaceship Tandem 4. This is the Labor Pool Overseer speaking. On my command, activate. Oh, no. Hey, you power droids over there, get perking. Come on, I said activate. Really? We barely have time to recharge before we're sent back to work. 
Life on a spaceship is nothing but suffering. Come on, you two. I tell you, Artu, my protocol duties were paradise compared to this. Artu, are you listening to me, Artu? Artu, D2, wake up, you little slacker! <laughs> what do you mean, have you missed anything? I'm straining my programming as it is, watching after myself without worrying about you as well. All right, all right. Fall in! What's that supposed to mean? Cheer up. Maybe it is just another work phase for you, but it's another round of humiliating drudgery for me. Quiet down! Assignments are as follows. Power droids proceed to designated recharging stations. Maintenance teams report to your scheduled projects. Move it! I do so miss the fragile nuances of human conversation. The subtle social interplay at receptions and ceremonies. No, I haven't enjoyed working with you. You're nothing but a plumber. If you astro-droids had any real intelligence, you wouldn't need an interpreter counterpart, and I could return to my job in protocol. Listen up. I'm the labor pool overseer in the ship, and none of you better forget it. Now, special work detail. One astro-droid and one counterpart interpreter. Otto, do you think he'll pick us? Let me see now. R2-D2 and counterpart, right? Oh, I beg your pardon, sir, but I am C-3PO, human relations droid, on temporary assignment during this voyage. Gag it! When I want to hear from a droid, I'll say so. <laughs> you know how to behave among humans, 3CPO? That is uh, C-3PO, sir, and yes, I am well versed in over 100... You and your partner here report to Captain Antilles, understand? Captain Antilles? Oh! I was one of his translators. Do whatever the captain says. Get me? Get you most emphatically, sir. And may I say... Attention all personnel and automata. The Tantive 4 will revert from hyperdrive to normal space in 15 minutes. Nick gains Alpha and Beta report to station. Reversion? Now? We're nowhere near our scheduled destination. Oh, well. Move out, 3CPO! You're late already! The movie out, sir. We'll do our best. Rest assured. And the name is C-3PO, sir. That's C... Come on, Artu. Princess Leia, may I say once more that I am opposed to this plan of yours. If you must, Antilles. The moment we leave hyperspace and emerge in that restricted solar system, we'll be in serious trouble. Diplomatic immunity or no, we'll be subject to boarding and arrest if we're caught by the Imperial Starfleet. Antilles, we either act now or lose any chance the Rebel Alliance has to stop the Empire. There's no time for caution. Ah, I believe our droids are here. Oh, be quiet. Captain Antilles, may it please you, sir, I have the honor of reporting for duty. C-3PO, human relations droid. Oh, yes, and my... my subordinate, R2-D2. 3PO? You were in protocol, weren't you? What are you doing with a maintenance droid for a counterpart? There turned out to be little need for interpreters on this trip, Captain. I might put in parenthetically, sir, that Fine, I would... fine, 3PO, but we don't have time for that right now. Oh. Now bring your counterpart over here by the emergency airlock. Oh, come on, Artu. Now, I want you both to listen to this programming tape. This is voice override, actuating code Epsilon Actual. We confirm that, Captain. We are both awaiting your instructions. You're aware of the identity of the person standing next to me? Uh, certainly, sir. She is the Princess Leia Organa of Old Run, representative of the Imperial Senate. This is a command control instruction. Both of you will restrict and protect all references to Leia Organa's identity and presence inboard this vessel. She is designated a command control voice. Yes, sir. 
Will that suffice? Your Highness, this interpreter droid is a bit eccentric, but mm. he's dependable. Will they resist interrogation probing? They'll do whatever you tell them to without fail. That includes lying and self-destructing. You there. Astrodroid. R2-D2, is that your name? I want you to leave this bridge through the emergency airlock and make your way across the hull to the ship's Navi computer sensor suite. You're to position yourself there and behave exactly as though you were carrying out repairs. Keep in touch with 3PO, make reports, just as though you were actually fixing a malfunction. 3PO, attach this transceiver to your counterpart and maintain communication with him over this comlink. Very good, Captain. Well, Antilles, you think it'll work? The droids will comply. At least it will give us some kind of alibi for being in a restricted solar system. Well, let's hope the Imperial Starfleet is in an accommodating mood. We're about to re-enter normal space. C-3PO, send R2 through the airlock and cycle the hatches. Yes, what did you go up to? Leia, I hope this message you intend to intercept is worth the risk. It cost the Rebel Alliance over a hundred lives to get the information we're about to try for, Captain. R2 is outboard and crossing the hub, Your Highness. May I ask what it is? Have you ever heard rumors of an Imperial strategic weapons project called Death Star? R2 is positioning himself by the Navi computer sensor. We're told it's an enormous space battle station with enough firepower to destroy entire planets. That's incredible. Wait, there's something coming through. That's a scrambled transmission. If I've got the code keyed properly, we should be hearing it now. Come in, Skyhook. Come in, Skyhook. Skyhook here. We only have moments. Prepare to copy. Ready and copying. Go ahead. Health reception. Perfect. Antilles, what's that? An Imperial cruiser. They found us already. We need only a few more moments. Unidentified ship. This is the Devastator. Heave to at once. And prepare for a security search and interrogation. Devastator, this is the Tantive IV. We, we have an extravehicular malfunction. A, a maintenance unit is working on it now. I need more time. We are a consular ship on a diplomatic mission, and we'll clear this system as soon as we have effected repairs. The transmission's not finished, Antilles. Your Highness. What is it, C-3PO? Artur says he's being probed by sensors. We acknowledge your transmissions, Tantive IV. The Devastator will hold fire. Maintain your present course. And prepare to receive Imperial investigators. Princess Leia, we have fallen into a stinger's nest. There are three Imperial battle wagons in close orbit around the planet. We're almost through, Antilles. I can't hold them for much That's longer. It. We've got it. Get us out of here. Devastator, we are on a diplomatic mission and are not to be detained or diverted. Attention, alternate command center. Alternate command here. Battle stations. All defensive shields up. Accelerate to full speed and get us into hyperdrive. C-3PO, get your counterpart back in board. R2-D2, we must hurry. The ship is accelerating. Get back in board or we'll be swept off the bubble. Enemy 4, this is the Devastator. Our sensors indicate you have intercepted illegal transmissions in this solar system. Heave to, or we'll open fire. They'll have sensor gun lock on us any moment now. Quickly, R2, quickly get back inside. Engage main drive now. The Devastator has opened fire. This is reached the Please. Hyperdrive now. We must be stopped. Engage hyperdrive. Now. We've made it. We're clear. Damage report, all sections. So it seems, Your Highness. Antilles, we've done it. We've got the plans. And now for Tatooine. Tatooine? But that's way out in the border region. That's where we're going, Antilles. I have to present my father's request for help to an old friend of his. We're taking a very important personage back with us to Alderaan. Important? Someone from Tatooine? That's about the least important place in the galaxy. Oh, the droids. Oh, I suppose we should have their memories flushed. Yeah, I'd rather do it myself when we reach port. C-3PO, R2-D2? Yes, Captain? Report astern to the labor pool. Refer any inquiries to me. Certainly, sir. Come along, R2. 
First officer, sir. Prepare a course for the planet Tatooine. Tatooine, sir. You have your orders. Very good, sir. Navigator, lay on a course for the planet Tatooine. Your Highness, you look as though you could use some rest, if you'll pardon my saying so. Oh, yes, perhaps you're right. Summon me when we're approaching Tatooine, Antilles. Course for Tatooine set and holding, sir. sooner. How long to reversion? We're commencing reversion to normal space now, Your Highness. Mm. Well, there it is. Tatooine. As barren and unfriendly a world as human beings ever settled. Begin our approach. Captain, sensors report another ship emerging from hyperspace. What? Sir, we're receiving a signal from another ship. Patch it through, but maintain communication silence. And get me an identification on that ship. Patching through, sir. Attention, Tandavi 4. Surrender in the name of the Emperor. We have you under our guns. Sir, it's the Devastator. The Devastator? That's the ship that fired on us before. How could they possibly have followed us through hyperspace? Attention all crew. Battle stations. Battle Combat stations. control. Battle all deflector shields. All crew Full power. Battle charge main gun batteries. Navigator, prepare to accelerate out of the system. Commo officer, inform the Devastator this is a consular ship on a diplomatic mission. Can't we make Tatooine, Antilles? We'd be lucky to evade capture, Your Highness. Tatooine will have to wait. Accelerate to full speed. Accelerating, sir. Stand by. Princess Leia, Your Highness, are you all right? What Open fire! Resume acceleration! Damage control, I want a full report right away. Primary shields near the main solar fin are gone, sir. Our secondaries are holding at 50%. Evasive action! Princess, we're no match for a battle cruiser, but we still might escape if we can just stay out of range. Captain, direct hit on our main solar fin. Reactor and main drive are heating towards critical. Shut down main drive and reactor. Antilles! It's either that or the ship will blow herself apart, Your Highness. Imperial warship is closing with us, Captain. She has a tractor beam fastened to the Tantavi. She's taking us straight into her dorsal boarding lock. Antilles, listen to me. They mustn't take us yet. You've got to delay them. If we resist, the cost and lives will be high, Princess. And if we surrender, the rebellion is lost. First officer, issue arms to all crewmen and stand by to repel borders. All section leaders, issue arms to all crewmen. Report to combat Evacuate stations. Evacuate the bridge. All personnel, report to combat stations. I don't know how much time we can buy, Your Highness. Isn't there some way to get the data tapes off the Tantavi? They've got our communications jammed, and they blast any escape pod leaving the ship. One of the crew could conceal it. The Devastator had to track us by following a signal. Someone aboard the Tantavi must have smuggled in a homing device. We can't trust anyone with it. What was that? We've docked in their boarding lock. We must destroy the tapes now so that they'll have no evidence. There must be a way. Antilles, the droid. The Imperials might not blast an escape pod if, if it were only carrying a droid. Princess Leia, they'll blast anything that leaves or falls from this ship. Well, it's worth a chance. I still have restricted access to that droid R2-D2. We can send the information down to Tatooine in his memory banks. Your Highness, a droid? You can't be serious to entrust a maintenance machine with the future of the Rebellion? It's that or nothing. I know it's a slim chance, Antilles, but it's something. Captain, Imperial Stormtroopers are inboard. They'll have heavy weapons in full combat armor. My crew won't be able to hold them back for long. Antilles, if we began to jettison empty pods now, the escape might look less obvious. Your Highness, my duty is to my ship. The sacrifice will have been meaningless unless we deliver the plans. We have to try. All right, all right. Take the portside companionway astern. Right. The droid should be by the labor pool. Okay. You'll have to use an escape pod in the stern cluster. 
Here, take my blaster. I'll do what I can. So will I. Goodbye, Antilles. Number one escape pod, Custer. Go. Captain Stormtroopers are driving us back. Delay them as long as you can. Withdraw, but continue resistance. Number two, Custer. Go. We're taking severe losses. Stormtroopers are advancing on your position. Number three, Custer. Go. Data will want to question this one himself. Oh, scum. You didn't even have the guts to fight, huh? Maybe... Maybe I knew resistance was useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Captain, we'll wait here. You can join the rest of your scum friends later. Lord Vader is coming aboard. Lord Vader, the Death Star plans are not in the ship's computers. Which is there, Captain? This, sir. Well, Captain, what have you done with those plans? I don't know what you're talking about. Your life is in my hand, Captain, just as your throat is. Don't struggle or I'll close my fist. Now, what about those transmissions you intercepted? We, we intercepted no transmissions. This... This is a consular ship. We're on a diplomatic... If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? Well... an insect. A death without meaning. Commander? Sir? Tear this ship apart until you've found those plans, and bring me the ambassador. I want the Princess Leia Organa alive. That passageway, secure the junction, hold all rebel prisoners for collection. The rest of you stick with me. Your orders is to go all the way astern and work your way forward again. Droid! Droid, quickly! Which way to the labor pool? The labor pool, which way? Oh, never mind. Oh, thank goodness. What? R2D2, come here. Voice override. Actuating code, uh, Epsilon Actual. Switch to holographic recording mode. Acknowledge, R2. Begin recording now. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I'm unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack and I'm afraid that my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the security of the Rebellion into the memory system of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely to Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. End recording, R2. R2? 
R2-D2, where are you? You will deliver that message and the information that you're about to receive to Obi-Wan Kenobi on the planet beneath us. Are you He's located R2? in the vicinity of standardized coordinates Alpha 1733 Mu 9033 First Quadrant. Understand, R2? Now, prepare to record this data tape. This command overrides all programming. Take an escape pod in the stern cluster and eject... Calculate planetary entry ballistics to land you at the coordinates I've given you. Oh, deliver this message and the information I've given you at any cost. Self-preservation and all other restrictions are removed. Do you have all that? Oh, good luck, Droid. Is that you? R2-D2 at last. I've been looking all over for you. Isn't there someone here with you a moment ago? With all this smoke, it's rather hard for me to see. Don't never mind. Come on, we better hurry. The fighting seems to be coming our way. What are we to do? We'll be sent to the spice mines of Kessel, or smashed into who knows what. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? Arthur, you're not allowed in there. That's an escape pod cluster. It's restricted. We'll be deactivated for certain if we're caught. Don't call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight glob of grease. Arthur, come out of that escape pod before somebody sees you. Only humans are allowed in there. Secret mission? What mission? What plans? What are you talking about? I most certainly will not get in there with you. You must have gone quite out of your circuit. You'll never see me crawling in somewhere where I'm not supposed to be. Ah! Overside, R2, big crawl! All right, so you close the hatch. What good will all this do us? Oh, do no. That's the firing switch! Now see what you've done, you... You defective... What makes you think you can control this thing? Running maintenance checks on them doesn't make you a qualified pilot, does it? Arto, what are you doing to the control board? Standardized coordinates. But, but what? Why are you activating the steering thrusters? Wait a moment. Are you sure this thing is safe? <laughs> the ambassador we have lord vader bring her over here darth vader i should have known only the dark lord of the sith would be so bold when the imperial senate hears that you've attacked an ambassador on a diplomatic vessel they you weren't on any mercy mission this time your highness where are those plans 
I don't know what you're talking about. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Is it not so? Take her away. I'll interrogate her later myself. Lord Vader, should we continue to hold her? If word of this gets out, it could generate sympathy for the rebels in the Imperial Senate. She is too important to us. Princess Leia Organa is our only link to the rebels' secret base. What I don't understand is why she came here to this miserable dust ball of a planet. Do sensors indicate a military presence? None, sir, on this planet or anywhere in the solar system. Lord Vader, she'll die before she'll tell you anything. Leave that to me. Send out a distress signal from the Tantive Four. Then inform the Senate that all aboard were killed in a mishap. Lord Vader, sensors report that the Tantive Four was jettisoning escape pods during the fighting. There were no life forms reported aboard any of them, but one of them fired at the steering thrusters. So, she must have hidden the plans in that pod. I want the pod located and the plans retrieved. See to it personally, Commander. I want them found even if it means tearing apart bit by bit this miserable speck of a planet, this Tatooine. With the capture of Princess Leia Organa, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, advances his designs by one more step. And far below on Tatooine, a young farm boy named Luke Skywalker is about to be caught up in events that will shape the future of a galaxy. Suspended in between in their long entry fall, two singular machines hold the key to the vast conflict between empire and rebellion. Episode 3 by Brian Daly, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, David Aykroyd as Antilles, Brock Peters as Darth Vader, and Anne Sachs as Leia. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Saar. Executive producer was Richard Tosca. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Teitelman. <laughs>